What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius here, dropping episode number 104 for you today. And I have David Trossel, CEO and CTO at Bridgeworks in the virtual building today. And David joined Bridgeworks in 2000. He's a recognized visionary in the storage technology industry and has been a key influencer in developing Bridgeworks intellectual property and leading technology edge so alongside david's work with bridgeworks he has authored and co-authored 18 international patents in his drive and passion toward transformational it so gumbo listeners david discusses how you can achieve those rtos and rpos that are so critical to your recovery strategy how to accelerate your backup beyond blazing, and also how to keep your data safe in this age of ransomware. So let's get right into the episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, David. How are you today? I'm very good, Demetrius. How are you? I am fantastic and doing amazing and very honored to to have you on the gumbo and let's jump right into the questions okay can you tell us a little bit about bridgeworks and also why do customers need your technology because it seems like your primary technology to me it's all about accelerating the speed at which companies can accomplish their their rpos and rtos is that is that uh, am i close yeah you're you're pretty close on some of it but i think um now we've expanded the product line quite a bit, probably from when you've last looked at us. Uh, let me just go back a little bit to give um, our listeners a little bit of a background to Bridgeworks itself. Uh, we've been around for nearly 40 years now, so um, we've got a great heritage in connecting data between two, you know, between devices, and now our new product line is more along the line of accelerating data over wide area networks. The you know, the connecting data. Um, We've um, done a whole series of bridges for a whole lot of people, really. Though, though, though many people haven't heard about Bridgeworks, you'll find us embedded into a lot of companies like um, Dell, Spectrologic, Quantum, and there's a big project we have that's been going on for quite a few years now with IBM. So we're under the hood of a lot of people. So if you've not heard of us, that's quite understandable. We like to try and solve... Customers' problems. That's, you know, we're primarily an engineering company, although we have got a new sales team on board, which is making a big difference. It's, and that's our, you know, that's our um, mission in life is to look at customers' problems and find a way we can solve them. And you know, while there's some um, uh, white papers on our website, which we've done with people, um, but even you know those just connecting storage area network devices together, you know, we we're into a high converged and virtualized environments now, whether the external peripheral protocol is iSCSI because it's so easy in a virtualized environment. And we've been, you know, we were one of the first with iSCSI bridges in, in the um, in the world. And then, then we were first with a 40 gig bridge. And now because of um, a request from one of your listening agencies out there in the USA, we actually mm -hmm. developed a 100 gig iSCSI bridge. Wow. So, to connect okay. up to their big Dell EMC arrays. 
you know, and when we look at the specification with them to see what they want, they wanted over a thousand devices connected on the fiber channel side. So makes sense. Yeah, so um, they have that now when they're testing that. So yeah, it's there's still a lot of you know, good uh, mileage in trying to sweat the assets you've got in in the virtualized environment. So no need to throw everything out. And it also works for some of the legacy systems where you're trying to connect a like, fiber channel to a SAS tape library or bits and pieces like that. Again, we have all those mm-hmm. um, products there. And they're just, you know, they're some of the just the bread and butter, unsexy type things, but it gets people out of a lot of problems. So trying to connect up the peripherals. Yeah. The second product range is pretty much split into two things. Um, one is sort of like an extension of our connecting data, and it really was, again, a request from another customer. How do I move storage area network protocols over long distances efficiently mm-hmm. without having to have a PhD in, in network um, settings and the rest of it? And that was really sorted out for a company called CVS, which is a pharmaceutical over there. Okay. And that takes... Yeah. Um, Storage area network protocols and our ability and knowledge of using storage area protocols over the last 40 years and combined it with our uh, different approach of how to move data over wide area networks. So we don't squeeze the data down, so we don't use any RAN optimization techniques. We don't do any compression techniques, and we don't use UDP. And we took that, mm-hmm. that um, course because... With UDP, you know, with UDP, you've got to sort of invent your own protocol to go across wide area networks. Well, I know some people are very okay. successful with it, but it has its limitations when you want to go a lot faster. We stayed with TCP/IP and made TCP/IP work for us, and that allowed us to have the benefit of the offload engines in the in the NIC card, so we could actually reduce the CPU and memory usage against other technologies. So that was uh, that was the way we went about okay. it, but, yeah. uh, and that gives us some acceleration techniques that can take you up to about ninety five percent of the bandwidth of your WAN. So we now we go from one gigabit bandwidth all the way up to forty gigabit bandwidth now. So and that allows you to move storage protocols over that distance. Right, right. Great technology, uh, and one of the things we didn't want to do with that product is solve one problem and create another. So we use artificial intelligence, which we started with a university over here in 2007, building artificial intelligence that manages the way the data flows and controls the machine. So the best part about it is you plug it in, it will learn the network for you, it will learn the traffic for you, and that's it, you walk away, you leave it. And if you take CBS, there's seven years. Nice thing about that, not only does it do fiber channel, SAS, and iSCSI, you can actually do that protocol change in mid-flight as well. So if you've got a legacy system that's running fiber channel and you want to put a remote tape dive on miles away and it's a SAS base, we will do that protocol conversion for you in there. So we try and give you as much flexibility as possible. All right. Yeah, I appreciate that introduction. And, you know, that was a um a, a lot of detail around you know what bridgeworks does and you know where you play in some of the use cases around it but what what are some of the benefits that uh, have a lot of gumbo listeners that are in backup and recovery you know what are some of the benefits that they will gain by integrating their backup products with bridgeworks well the nice thing about our product is it doesn't sit on the server or on the client so it sits on the network and it's like a bump in the wire so we're transparent to the 
to the Convault, Transparent to Veeam, uh, and all the other backup vendors. The, you know, those, those applications don't see us at all. All they see is an accelerated link between us. Okay. So, you know, and mm-hmm. it's the same for a lot of other products as well. So it's like um, the data is moving and then along comes Superman and just speeds up the data without the backup product even knowing about it. That's correct, yeah. And we've done, uh, if you, again, look at the website, you'll see things like Convault, Veeam, and the Kivo, um, Oracle. So we even do Oracle replication. Mm-hmm. So it's like, again, okay. it's all transparent. All right, and you you talked a little bit about tape, but I I, I want to bring tape back up because it's it's one of those age old conversations in the backup industry. And at one point, obviously, we thought that it was dead, and there were a lot of campaigns <laughs> from from different vendors saying that you know tape tape is going to die and it's old, et cetera. But it it still holds a place near and dear in the hearts and minds of many people in the industry. So uh, what are some of the major obstacles that you think prevent most organizations from adopting, you know, some type of WAN tape replication or acceleration from that perspective? Or, or do you see any? No, we've done it um, with many companies. We, um, a big insurance company up in Minnesota used our, what we call our RAM rocket product to do exactly that. And they had um, two big IBM silos across across the city um, with 18 tape drives on either side, and we managed to keep most of them streaming them along as well. And it's uh, it's a long story, but I'm still a great believer in tape. I've come from a tape background, uh, as you might know. And I worked for Spectrologic. And I started Spectrologic up over uh, oh, okay. uh, the European division up here before the end of the last century. Mm-hmm. I sound so old ago, didn't it, before the last <laughs> century. Um, I think, you know, the position of tape is, will always be there. It's just where it sits in the storage um, hierarchy is the important part. Right, and, yeah. And if you look at it, you know, there's a lot of people going back to tape. And I love tape for, for, for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, it, you can get an air gap, and I've been talking about air gap for about two a lot of articles that I've written in the, in the periodicals and the rest of it. Is and that air gap is key because once mm-hmm. you've got that air gap, you can't change it. If it's out of the system, it's right. And what we've done for a lot of companies, and CVS was one of them, is how do you can, how can I move that tape back up, or how can I move that tape library thousands of miles away and still get the performance? And once you know you can do that, once you can do it across the city or across states or across the continent with no penalty in performance. You know, it gives you much more flexibility of creating your own disaster recovery schemes. And one of the other bits and pieces we, we've done a lot of work with is it's not so much how to improve the backup speed, it's how to improve the recovery speed. Right, backup absolutely. is controlled. Recovery is everyone's running around like head chickens trying right. to get the data back. So again... You know, we've done a lot of work on how to recover data over very long distances back to, and again, it all happens all automatically. Hmm. Like, what's what's one of the longest distances? Like, are you moving, interfacing with companies that move data from like Europe to the United States? Oh, um, Phoenix, Arizona to Long Island. Okay. Two thousand eight hundred and sixty miles, I think, as the crow flies. Wow. Yeah, and. You know, when, when, when you're, you know, an administrator or engineer, you, you don't think about the, you know, distances, you know, when you start talking business continuity and disaster recovery and what 
a whole nother set of team of people have to do with, you know, burying lines and fi- running fiber and under the ocean and et cetera. It's, a, it's an entirely another world that we don't often talk about. You, you mentioned air gap, and that's a part of a, a security measure. And due to the pandemic, cybersecurity is, is a hot topic. And ransomware, of course, has increased uh, in, in attacks. And I even heard a statistic that a ransomware attack happens every 14 seconds or so. What are some, I guess, some of the recommendations do you have for, you know, for the Gumbo listeners to, you know, keep their data safe and to also be able to recover quick, quicker just from a, a security perspective? Okay. Um, there's the industry standard, which is what, 321 standard, where you have three, three bits of backup and you keep it on two pieces of media and you have one bit off site. That's you know it's a, it's a great it's a great thing to have, but how do you minimise the impact the effect of not being able to access that offsite copy? So with our technology, what you can do you can still do your three three bits of backup and across two different medias, but you can have it in two remote sites. So you you got you increase the chances of you know if everything does go wrong, especially if it's a cloud provider. You don't always guarantee access, but if you could put those two of your backups into two different clouds from two different um, ISVs, it improves your chance of actually recovering. The other thing we can do is if you are using the cloud as a backup as a service, is our other product range called Port Rocket, which deals with IP streams. We can put that in the cloud and we can put it on here. Therefore, you will maximize your throughput of that link back so, that's, so it's full data back as quickly as possible. Because it doesn't do any dedupe and it doesn't keep any storage, you don't have to have a, you know, condition your backups set up ready. You can just start pulling data straight through. And typically the setup of our product is 15 to 20 minutes and then you're starting to recover. So ha- have you seen an increase in object storage use? And if so, you know, what, what are some of the primary concerns that, customers have with data that's been stored you know via object storage again it's you know it's it's, it's the recovery um, and how to get it back as quickly as possible again um, we have a product again it's the port what it product that can handle the um, s3 in object storage for you so again we've done a lot of work with some of the object and um, uh, storage providers and we again we can maximize the throughput on your bandwidth one of the other bits and piece, uh, that's the benefit of the way we mitigate the effect of latency and packet loss with our product is in in the UK, if you want to dedicate a gig e-link into an Amazon, an Amazon Direct Correct, it's about £40,000 per year. Okay. So that gives you dedicated linking. Because we don't care about latency and we can mitigate the effect of, of um, packet loss, you can use a standard internet connection for £6,000 a year and still get the same performance. So yeah, we can save a lot of money from mm-hmm. that point of view. You don't need these high-capacity, high low-latency links. We can give you the same performance over higher-capacity, um, higher-packet loss, higher-latency links. So it gives you a lot of flexibility of where you want to put your data now, rather than having to be constrained by distance at your, at, uh, say, uh, a local um, um, Amazon site would be at Dublin and Ireland. You can put it in Frankfurt as well, so you've got yourself covered. So it gives you more opportunities to recover your data. Okay. 
Great. And, you know, performance is, is so important now. And, you know, like I, I haven't been a backup administrator in, man, how long has it been? You know, I even lost count. But uh, it, it's been a while. <laughs> but uh, um, what are some of the trends that, that you're seeing in the in the backup and recovery industry right now as as it pertains to, you know, business continuity and disaster recovery and, you know, maybe how your product fits in the space with, you know, accelerating and making sure that data is, you know, backed up quicker and also recovered quicker? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, if you can move your data out of your data center into a secure location and pull the drawbridge up mm, as quickly okay. as possible, again, you've got you protected because we know that what happened to a lot of the cyber criminals now, the first thing they target is your backup. Right. Once they've got your backup screwed up, uh, you, know, you can't do anything about it. Then they attack you because they know that you can't, you know, the typical one is, well, I'll recover from my backup. But that, that's now gone. But if you can actually get that data way off site and pull the drawbridge up, we'll be doing something like that in our products that you can actually program into our products in the future. Gives you that safe. So if you've got tape out there in a remote location and you've got it ejected or you've got it stored and you can't get to that tape, it's like a, you know, it's like having a castle in the old days. You drop the portcullis and pull the thing off. So that's the, the doing. The other thing is a lot of people uh, want the data to be encrypted within inside their LAN, and as they go outside, they want to c- continue their own encryption process. Again, with, the, with our product is we don't care about what the data is, whether it's compressed, DGP, or anything, or encrypted. We don't touch the data. So again, we don't store the data on our product. So if you someone steals a product, all they get is a is a machine with the software on it, but none of your data on it. Wow. Okay. That that sounds uh, very promising. Um, and you also mentioned earlier on. I think you mentioned Oracle. So let let's talk databases for a second. I get so you integrate with Oracle and also what Microsoft SQL is that right? Yep, that's right. So okay, um, and cool. So I, I guess the question was or is the question is you know what what are some of the challenges that that you're seeing just from a database perspective and you know what are some of the recommendations to to overcome those challenges as it relates to you know maybe not being able to I guess the performance with the databases or I guess what 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 are you seeing from that perspective? I like you. I used to when I used to work for Specialized, I used to specialize in backing up Oracle databases for larger banks and things. And, and performance was always a, a problem. And how far you can go with that um, data as well. We have a customer um, in Vestec down in South Africa, and they needed to replicate their Oracle database between South Africa and London. Okay, which is a, quite a distance, as you oh, can yeah. imagine. It the latency, mm-hmm. latency, and and the rest of it is um, rather than being sort of within a certain amount of time to be synchronised for GDPR requirements between the two sites, they were, I think it was fair to say, they were they were weak, they were days out out of synchronisation, and that gave them a GDPR risk. And GDPR, if they're oh, registering yeah. the book at you, is four percent you global hefty fees. Turnover and for invest take that is that's a huge amount. So uh, yeah, and they were using you know Oracle Arman or Golden Gate or the rest of that to try and uh, try and achieve that over the over the network. And we just said, okay, right, um, what ports do we need to look at for that traffic to come through us, and what ports do we need at the other end to send it into your database? And they just did their Arman and Golden Gate backup into the network connection via our, our box, and then we transported it across the WAN, 
over to all the way up to London, and then they resync the, the um, Oracle database there. And that can be the same of pretty much any IP stream or SQL or any of those type ones. So that goal of having synchronized Oracle databases across continents, we can now do that. And it was not expensive when you compare it to anything compared to Oracle. Well, everything's cheap compared to Oracle, really, for the database point of view. Yeah, so, you know, that was a real... It, we are transparent to the Oracle process at both ends. They, do, they don't even know we're there. And you said they were using Golden Gate backup? Yeah, yeah Golden Gate for, for that one. Hmm. Is that like a specialized backup product that helps it's, backup it's Oracle part data? Of the Oracle, yeah, it's part of the Oracle te- um, suite of products hmm. for that one, Arm and, and Golden Gate. Interesting, yeah. I'm, like, I'm not following that very closely, but I, I remember Arman and specific Arman commands that are run underneath the covers from backup products to you know back up the redo logs and archive logs and all of those good details when you talk about the database data, yeah caress the data files yes yeah, right. yeah i had some fun days yeah. working with with dbas um back at my healthcare days when i was working at some of the blue cross blue shields um you know and even mainframe right protecting data uh, from a mainframe, and that 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 was a whole nother world as well. Well, and just like they thought, tape was was going going away. The mainframe is still alive and, and uh, kicking strong, and they're even yeah. Yeah, they're looking for mainframe administrators now. Like they they are paying big money for young folks to come in and learn the mainframe and programming, et cetera. So hot business it is yeah and you know it's still as you say very very vibrant and it's key to people like ibm on that on that front but you know it's no longer just the old type mainframe languages a lot of more a lot of other applications that come onto the mainframe you know uh, like web web stuff and uh, other bits and you can even run Linux um, on it as well, so it's it's a lot it's a lot more flexible than it ever used. Right, I agree with that, and I I think you mentioned cloud earlier on, and you know we always have to have some type of conversation around cloud, and you know there's a rising trend of companies that are migrating data to the cloud right now, uh, due to a lot of reasons, Um, the agility and I, I, I won't necessarily say cost benefits, but it's it's another tier of um that's a whole different that, that is that is a whole other conversation as well so do, do you have any insights i guess into how it organizations can you know make their migrations more efficient or you know what's your perspective from migrating to the cloud or do you even you know play in that space we do um we're teaming up with a company that have dedicated themselves to helping customers migrate into the cloud as fast as possible i know there's snowball on the other type of products but it's we we think we can actually do it faster quick faster and cheaper and to move the data in um, and yeah, moving the data in is one thing is getting getting your data out is another thing again if you don't have an accelerated um, connection between the two and if your data is encrypted it's going to be slow but with us we can just stand up we can accept we can set up that accelerated path between the two ports and off you go, and you should be able to, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you should be okay. recovering your yeah, data. Yeah, yeah. We actually use the cloud ourselves, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we have in-house backups to tapes here. And then we have, um, because it's fairly local, we actually take our tapes off-site as well. 
and we do a third backup into a cloud using our own technology. So we eat our own dog food, as they say. Okay, so we have great. accelerated as a backup as a service there. And we've done um, backup as a service with some cloud companies from the west coast, uh, no, east coast of America to Denmark. They actually use Spectrum Protect over that distance and it's great for them because really yeah the data gets moved away from certain eyes over there so yeah the whole point about our technology is it sh- you know it sort of like shrinks the world down you can actually go distances you wouldn't believe wow furthest i think we've done is off sydney australia to north virginia okay so, so you say you guys use spectrum protect internally to protect your data no we just any, any product we, ah, we're okay. pretty we're pretty agnostic so we use veeam internally Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, that that should have been my first choice because I've had a few MSP guys on the podcast and both of them are big Veeam resellers and they have taken the Veeam product and rolled it into multiple different service offerings for their customers. And I think Veeam 11 just rolled out, which has over, what, 200 features in it, which is like humongous. the, The rise in that product. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's roll into the closing gumbo question, and it's primarily one that I, I, I like to take a peek into the into the crystal ball and and see, you know, what are some of the technology predictions that that you see for let's say twenty twenty two and beyond from a backup and recovery storage and performance acceleration perspective i think the increase it's going to increase the use of the cloud as a, as a repository is going to increase there's no doubt about that okay people are also beginning to reevaluate the usefulness of tape as part of the backup strategy mm-hmm. um, because it is quick you know most people say well tape is slow well you know, when that's streaming it goes pretty damn fast you know that point of view so again, you know, um, with the higher capacities, it's certainly a possibility. And I think people are just looking to, you know, hide their data away from the criminals, cyber criminals to try and do that. So again, it's where you put the data. If you can draw, you know, if you can pull up those drawbridges as quickly as possible once it's done, you're going to be safer. And everyone wants to encrypt their techn- encrypt their data. And from our point of view. We don't care if it's encrypted. It goes across at the same speed. Right, yeah. And we prefer you to encrypt it because then we don't have to handle the keys at the edge. So you can bury the keys way down inside your data okay. center. Great. So security is in there, um, continuing to secure the data and also some of the other technologies as well. Um, tape is coming back. And, you know, I, I, meant, I always mention quantum because they are continuing to innovate. Uh, from a tape perspective as well. And I know they have a 100-year archive push and they're able to store data for an extremely long period of time and guarantee that you can recover it, uh, which was a big issue back when I was an administrator, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. You know, you try to recover data and you get tons of error messages and you may not have the same type of tape drives and you may have different tape tape models, et cetera. So it becomes a bit of a challenge. So um, it's it's always exciting to continue to have a conversation around technologies that extend their life and continue to be relevant and useful. So uh, David, it's definitely been a pleasure having you on the gumbo. I, I truly appreciate your insights. And um, it's not often that we get to talk about, you know, acceleration and 
you know, how fast can things go and being able to recover it quickly, et cetera. So it's, it's, a, it's a great conversation. So thank you for coming on the, uh, on the gumbo. And before I let you go, um, is there any social media handles that, that you would like the gumbo listeners to maybe reach out to you on like linkedin or twitter yeah the, uh, i'm there on linkedin please at least say you know uh, rather than i just want to be but give a reason for us for linkedin uh, and i will do it okay but being a ceo you, you you can imagine how many thousand i get a day i just want to you know <laughs> link into it and I've, I've got an i've got enough if you see what i mean but i'm always willing to link into people that i can help and that's how i see linkedin is whether they can help me or i can help them that point of view uh, based around you know, the technology that we've spoken to today all right well thank you again and it's been a pleasure having you on the gumbo david oh it's been my pleasure thank you very much for inviting me thank you for listening to data protection gumbo please follow us on twitter at dpg podcast and join our backup and recovery professionals linkedin group just search backup and recovery professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.